All right, Mark chapter 1, and uh, we've been a couple weeks away, so we did a couple introductions, so we're just going to go on and get into the text here. Uh, verse number 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now, again, we just kind of get right into it here. Uh, you'll notice verse 1 ends with a semicolon. So he's just going to keep on talking as going to be our theme. And Mark is not much is going to be uh, elaborated upon. I'll remind you in verse 2 there, as it is written in the prophets, uh, we looked last time, the introduction part B, if you will, or the second part, we talked about the textual issue. Uh, the quote is out of Malachi 3, and verse 3, the quote is out of Isaiah. However, all the new Bibles say, as it is written in Isaiah. So, and this is a key verse, really, to test any Bible you pick up, whether or not it's from the right Greek text or not. And if it, do, if it says Isaiah, then it's not from the right text. And if it says prophets, then it's from the right Greek text. It's really just that simple. Uh, it's, it's not... Uh, our Bibles have all the verses in it that are supposed to be there, and it, ha and it leaves out all the verses that are not supposed to be there. And... Uh, <laughs> If you think otherwise, then you think that God the Holy Spirit actually made, a, made an error when he wrote it. And uh, that's just not the case. He would not have made a mistake. So as we get into the issue here, uh, you'll notice again, uh, this Mark's intro is real quick. Verse 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. That is the intro to Mark. Verse 4. John did baptize. Now we're going to have John's, where he's going to pick up here with John's ministry. So he is going to say everything here that he needs to say, and he does it in verse 1, 2, and 3. And so that's what we're going to look at this evening. There, there's, a, there's a lot of information in verse 1 in those 12 words. And again, this is exactly how Mark's going to be. He's not, he is the, uh, Mark is the shortest of the books, 16 chapters and 678 verses and 15,770 words. However, he doesn't, he doesn't do a lot of talking about and, and discourse. Um, if you take, you think about the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, that's Matthew 5, 6, and 7, all that teaching. You take the Olivet Discourse, which is the second Sermon on the Mount, they call it, which is Matthew 24 and 25. There's five chapters right there that you could pull out of Matthew. <laughs> All right. Then you get over into the parables in Matthew 13, and there's some 60 some verses in Matthew 13. So, really, if you took out all of the discourse and all of the teachings of Matthew and Luke and John, they would actually be shorter than Mark. So, we have to remember that as we go here, there's not going to be a lot of elaborate uh, 
um, just you know eloquent things here. Rather, we're going to see that all of the actions, all of the vents, and really less of the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're literally going to see the life, the death, the burial, resurrection, and that's boom. It's just just the events, just the actions. And uh, that is exactly how he starts it in verse 1. He sets the theme, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I mean, it's boom, it's done. Now we're moving on. And as it is written, so Mark is going to begin here uh, really to become a, a, a look at the issue of in the, begin, uh, in the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets. And that's really, this evening, we'll kind of look at just an overview of, uh, of, of, of the instructions here when it comes to the issue of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets. Again, the gospel, the good news. The good news here of... The, uh, and, and that's really the theme of the four Gospels, the life, the death, the burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, when he starts here, he's going to give us the history of that life and the death, the burial, and resurrection. And again, he's not going to go into elaborate detail. He's going to hit it and run. And if you come over to chapter 16 of Mark, Mark 16, verse 19 and 20, the end of it here, he, uh, 16, 19, So then after the, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. 1, 1, in the beginning. 16 here. 19 and 20, it isn't done. He continues to work with them. He's continuing. He, it, it isn't, if you come over to Acts 1, Acts chapter 1, verse 1, the former treatise have I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. Mark says there's a beginning here, and it's going to continue. And that's going to be important here as we move and study Mark. Mark's going to say there's a beginning, and we're going to move to the death, burial, and resurrection. Then he ascends, the Holy Spirit comes down. Luke says, we begin what he began. Mark says, in the beginning. <laughs> okay? But then he said, so there's going to come over to 1 John chapter 1. So this issue of in the beginning... And these are very important here about this issue of in the beginning. If you look at 1 John 1, verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. 
for the life was manifested and we had seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifest unto us. In the beginning, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was in the beginning. So you have to begin, Mark says, the beginning point, we're, we're going to start here. And we're going to be talking about something that as it was written in the prophets, back here, it's now time to start. You think about Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God, you have to, the beginning of what? That's the question. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning of creation. John 1-1, in the beginning, God, uh, I, just, I just quoted it, you know. Uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. So that's Genesis 1-1. So you've got to have to ask, in the beginning of what? And that's really the kicker here. The beginnings in Scripture are very important. Paul, he, he'll look at the Philippians and say, from the beginning you were with me. you know. And it's like, the beginning of what? Well, the beginning of the church, the body of Christ, when you first started. Okay, So the beginnings are very important, and Mark is... Mark is marking a beginning. And it's the beginning of something that was already there. Come back to Mark 1. Mark 1, 1. In the beginning, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it was written in the prophets. Mark, the beginning is already... <laughs> Mark... Mark, what Mark's doing here is he's like, look, guys, there's some stuff back there in the prophets that the prophets talked about that are not, it's now starting right here. Okay? Uh, hold, hold on to Mark 1. I, you can stick something in Mark, bookmark it. Mark, look, go, go over to Hebrews 1. So when he says here, the beginning of the gospel, the beginning He's talking about, hey, there's some stuff back there in the prophets, and this is the beginning of what the prophets were talking about. They've been talking back here, okay? Malachi, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, the whole bit. They've been talking about it, but here marks the beginning of this stuff coming to fulfillment, if you will, okay? You got that? All right, let's go home. <laughs> All right, look at Hebrews 1, look at verse 1. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. How did God speak in time past? By the, unto the fathers, how? By the prophets. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. God spake in time past by who? The prophets. Now he's going to start talking by who? By the Son. And Mark is marking the beginning. There's something that is beginning with the ministry of John the Baptist that was prophesied and written about in the prophets and what Mark is going to do, go back to Mark 1. What Mark is going to do is he's telling us about that. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, 
the Son of God. This gospel is going to be based on something that was there before. Now, with the ministry of John the Baptist, we're not establishing anything new. We're just now moving to a new point in the history of the national history of Israel. We're now going to move. So what's going to happen here now in, in really all of the Gospels, but really here in Mark, is going to be based on what the prophets have wrote, have written. So what did the prophets write down? It's now time to happen. So the beginning here is very critical, this verse. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, notice what Mark's telling us about the beginning of the gospel. That it, it deals with who? It deals with Jesus Christ, the Son of God, but it's also what the prophets wrote about. If you look down at verse 14. Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, saying the time is what? See, there it is. The time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Notice the timing element here. The beginning, but it has to do with some stuff told, so we've got some timing elements going on. Here's a time period now in Israel's history that is beginning, and it has to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, but it also has to do with the gospel of the kingdom of God. I hope you've got to catch this. So... When you come back up in the chapter, it's going to start with John the Baptist. Verse 2, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face. The messenger is John the Baptist. The message is verse 3, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So we're beginning something new in the history of Israel, in Israel's history, and it has to do with the time period that's related to the kingdom of God now being at what? At hand. Okay? Uh, again, verse uh, 15 there, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. So what? Repent ye and believe the gospel. Verse 4, here's John did preach in the wilderness and preach the baptism of repentance for the remissions of sin. So there's John. Now there's going to be an opportunity extended to the nation of Israel to, for the kingdom, because the kingdom is now what? At hand. So, they na so, so now there's this opportunity for everything back here, <coughs> excuse me, that the prophets talked about is now going to be fulfilled. Okay? Verse 1. In the, begin, uh, in the beginning, I'm going to say it, it's not how it is. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, you know, you kind of wonder, okay, why did you say it like that, Mark? When it's clear, we know who Jesus Christ is, the Son of God. Well, come over to Matthew, come back to Matthew 16. And, and, and it's not that he's doing that to say, I don't know who he is. 
Um, obviously, clearly, he, the gospel writers know who he is. The apostles know who he is. The little flock know who he is. Uh, Matthew 16, uh, we'll start reading in verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, Elijah, and others Jeremiah, Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. You see, there's no question that they know who he is. Verse 17. <clears throat> and Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. You see, they knew that he was going to be what? The Messiah. They knew he's... he's Thou art the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the anointed one, the son of the living God. By the way, he goes on, verse 18, And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Who's the rock? Jesus Christ. Who's, whose church does it belong to? Jesus Christ. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee, that's Peter, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And that, again, that's the issue here. So what's happening in Mark, come over to John chapter 1, what's happening in Mark is Mark is saying, look, the opportunity for us to get the kingdom is starting. Here's the beginning of that. The prophets have been talking about it all the way since Adam. Now we're going to get it, and, and us getting the kingdom. I mean, think about it. You've got this, the tribulation over here, the 70th week of Daniel. He's going to establish the kingdom. We, we just got done studying Matthew, and he, Matthew has him looking at the kingdom over here. Mark says it's starting right here. What these guys have been talking about is starting right here, and what we're going to talk about is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and guess who he is? He's the Son of God. He's the Messiah. He's the Anointed One. Uh, look at John 1. Look over here at verse 39. <clears throat> John 1, 39. He said unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with them that day, it, and for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, Messias, which is, being interpreted, the Christ. Messiah is the Hebrew word, Christ is the Greek word, we found him. Drop down to verse 47. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael said unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. <coughs> Excuse me. Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, 
Thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. No doubt these guys knew. So when you come back here to Mark 1, and he says, the, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, he's talking about the beginning of the history of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, all the same guy, that the prophets have been promising all along. Guess what? He's here. There he is. <coughs> Again, Mark 1, there's no genealogy. We don't care about where the servant came from. We want his resume. We don't want his birth records. We want to know he can do what? Work. So when you come back to Mark 1 here, he's talking about the beginning of that history. And there's timing here. Now, come, over, come back with me to Daniel chapter 9, a passage we've been over uh, uh, quite a bit in our studies in the gospel. But it's something, again, that you have to put into Mark here because Mark's dealing with it. In the beginning, <clears throat> the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, and here we're going. Okay? Now, notice Daniel 9, again, verse 24 uh, <coughs> man, I got choked up on that chalk. <coughs> Excuse me. So, again, just remember where we're at. Daniel 9 lays out the, the uh, time, the prophetic timeline for the nation of Israel. We have, in, uh, uh, they've been in uh, captivity with Babylon 70 years. That was to enable the land to regather her Sabbaths. Israel had polluted the land. It took 70 it took 70 Sabbaths, basically, to get it all back. That was the decree by God. Daniel 9 starts with Daniel recognizing that, thinking it's time to go back in the land. And the Lord says, hang on a minute. The land's clean, but the people <coughs> are not clean. So we're going to need 70 years to clean up the land, but now we're going to need 70 weeks of years to purify the people, to clean them up. Verse 24, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people, Israel, and upon thy holy city, that's Jerusalem, to do what? To finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. It's going to take 70 weeks of years to purify that nation to accomplish everything in that verse. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore <coughs> uh, and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks, and the street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous time. The, the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem, that's Nehemiah chapter 2, <coughs> and it's going to take 69 weeks to get to, to the cutting off of the Messiah, the next verse. <coughs> Man, <coughs> it's China chalk. <coughs> Sorry. Verse 26, and after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself, and so on. So you got seven and 62, you got 69 weeks 
to the cutting off of the Messiah. And what's going to happen now is the days of Messiah are going to show up. And, and, Mark, and what Mark's doing is saying, look, guys, it's time for the days of Messiah to be here now, to show, to come. Okay? So you've got this timing. Now, come back to Mark 1. Just see that here in Mark 1. <clears throat> Go back to Mark 1. So they know, Mark, <coughs> this is the beatenest thing. <coughs> they know that Messiah is coming. They know it's the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Messiah. Now look there at Mark 1, and look there again at 15, verse 15. And saying, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is what? at hand they know that the prophetic time clock is being what fulfilled it's time the days of messiah are here and the beginning of it is right here and the days of the messiah is beginning because the times are being fulfilled the reason we're here at the beginning of the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ is because the prophets talked about it and the timeline's moving now and it's time for him to go because we only have 33 years here till there and guess what? <coughs> Excuse me. I don't think I've ever been choked up this way. <coughs> China chalk, yeah, there you go. So the time element... The days of the Messiah of Messiah is beginning because the time element and this timing issue here is critically important because guess what? The days of Messiah are upon us and they're upon us now. That, and that's what Mark's doing, verse 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, what the prophets have been telling us about, it's now time. It's here. Okay? Now, watch verse 2. Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The, vo the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the ways of the Lord, make his path straight. Now, it's important here to catch the ministry of John the Baptist in regards to the timing. Um, first, though, go back to Malachi 3, and let's catch something in this quote here that John is doing. And, and it's very important to catch this kind of in connection with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Malachi 3, verse 1, Behold, I send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delighted in, before he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. Notice, now look at Mark 1, 2. Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare the way, thy way before thee. Mark tweaks it. Okay? In Malachi 3, 1, when he says before he shall prepare the way before me. 
That's Jehovah. He says, uh, Behold, I will send my... Ma That's Jehovah, Jehovah, Jehovah. <laughs> Jehovah the Father, Jehovah the Son, Jehovah. But notice when Mark moves it to, I send my messenger before thy face. He's talking about Jesus Christ. The variations here aren't a mistake, okay? But rather, they show how complete Mark understood that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the Jehovah Malachi 3 is talking about, the prophets are talking about. So it's not a mistake. Sometimes people use this and say, oh, it's a mistake. See, they, thy, thee, and my, thy. No, it, all through the New Testament they do this. Oftentimes they'll quote a passage and refer it. Come over to John 19. I'll show you another one. They refer it to Jesus Christ, understanding. Get John 19 and Zechariah. Well, John 19, we'll start there. They will refer, they'll say, this is Jesus Christ, but they understand what? That it's Jehovah and the prophets, okay? Look at John 19, look at verse 37. And the quote is Zechariah 12, out of Zechariah 12. John 19, 37, with Zechariah 12, 10. But notice 19, 37. And again, they, uh, and again, another scripture saith, they shall look on him whom they pierce. Jehovah is talking. Notice Zechariah 12, verse 10. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication, and they shall look upon me, whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him, etc. Notice how he says, look on me. That's Jehovah talking. There he is, me, the one who they pierced. But John 19 says, what? Him. The guy on the cross is Jehovah, and John knows that. John knows that Jesus Christ, hanging on that cross, is Jehovah. The prophet said, me. John says, there he is. He's right there. So they understand, uh, come back to Mark 1. They understand clearly over and over and over again. And I just threw you the one for time. You can run them. People use that stuff and say, no, it's wrong, it's a mistake, and it isn't at all. By the way, look here at Mark 1. If you look at John the Baptist, verse 7, and preach, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with... See that I after me, mightier than I? They understand who Jesus Christ is. He's the Son of God. He's Jehovah. Now notice verse 2. I can get back on here. 
John the Baptist is the messenger, and verse 3 is the message, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. So John the Baptist and his ministry is critical because he marks a beginning. He marks a particular point in Israel history where God now is going to move into a new uh, he's going to move into a new arena, area in Israel's life. He doesn't change anything that the prophets say. He doesn't, he's not coming in and saying, okay, those guys were all wrong, we're going to do something else now. Rather, it's time now to fulfill what the prophets said, what they wrote down. And the mark is John the Baptist. Come, come over to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. In Luke 1, you have the birth of John the Baptist and you have the birth markings of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 13, you have John's dad, Zacharias. Uh, verse 13, but the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. So he's, going to, he's told he's going to be a dad. Verse 15, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. That's very telling there. He, he's going to take that Nazarite vow. You know, he's going to be dressed in... Locusts, he's going to eat, what's that, the camel's hair. and the, He's just going to be woolly bully because he's taken what? That Nazarite vow. Can't shave his head, no strong drink. He's filled with the Holy Ghost. Later, when Elizabeth is visited down there in verse 41, Mary shows up and, and the babe leaps and Elizabeth is filled with the Spirit. So not everybody gets filled with the Spirit here, okay? Verse 16. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. He's going to go out there and identify that little flock, that believing remnant. And he shall go before him, that's the Lord, in the spirit and a power of Elias, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. He's going to he's going to go before her the Messiah before the Lord. And he's going to point the people of Israel to who? To the Messiah. He's going to prepare the way. He's got a voice crying in the wilderness. There he is. He he is a man sent from God. <laughs> And we studied this out great in, in, the, in the Gospel of John. Come over to, down to verse 57. Now Elizabeth's full time came that she could be delivered, and she brought forth a son. And, you know, the neighbors get all excited. Verse 60, and his mother answered and said, Not so, but he shall be called John. And they said unto her, There is none of thy kindred that is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, 
how he would have him called. And he asked for a writing table and wrote and saying, his name is John. And they marveled all and his mouth was opened immediately and his tongue loosed. And he spake and praised God. Now watch here. And fear came on all that dwelt around about them. And all these sayings were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea. The word's out. Okay? It's a, something miraculous going on here. Not a virgin birth that's coming, but rather a... a, a <laughs> we've got a baby born and ain't named after anybody in the family. And now his dad can talk again, so they're excited. Now watch verse 66. And all they that heard them laid them up, up in their hearts, saying, What manner of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. That hand of the Lord. John is marked out. Now, Eli, uh, Zacharias goes on now, verse 67, And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost, and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy, mercy pro promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father David that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the, the hand of our enemy might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest. Now he's talking to John. For thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the desert till the days of his showing unto Israel. There you have Dad talking about what his son John's going to go do <clears throat> as he begins he says the hand of the Lord verse 66 there was with him all the things that were written in the prophets now by God's mercy and his doing it's time to fulfill and my boy John is going to be the guy out there preparing the way. Now, when you look at, come back with me to 1 Kings chapter 18. <clears throat> we studied Luke so long ago. I don't remember if we did this in Luke. We're going to redo Luke when we get done with Mark one day, maybe, if we're all still here. But when you see that issue of the hand of the Lord is with someone, when you look, 1 Kings 18, when you see this in Scripture, that indicates a very special, direct involvement of the Lord himself. 
So that's a special rule here or role here that is given to a prophet in dealing with Israel. Now look at 1 Kings 18. Now Elisha's been out fighting uh, the prophets of Baal. All that is kind of the, the scenario. Verse 46. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. And he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Elijah's out fighting the prophets of Baal. Elijah's a very special prophet to Israel. He's announcing the movement from one one course of judgment into the other course of judgment. And what's happening? The hand of the Lord is on him. A special, direct involvement of the Lord himself here. So when you read this, come over to Ezekiel chapter 1. When you read this, it's a, it's a, very, it's a very critical phrase to not just be skipped over and ran to the next. In Ezekiel, this issue of the hand of the Lord is all through the book. Look at verse 3. The word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel, the priest of the son of Buzi. Buzi. Isn't that Buzi? It's the 5th of May. He's a boozer. Okay. In the land of the Chaldeans by the river Chabar, and the hand of the Lord was there upon him. Very special here. By the way, Ezekiel is called son of man. Not the son of man, but son of man. In the center column reference, there's a note by the hand of the Lord. And it says, Ezekiel 3, verse 14 and 22. Ezekiel 8, verse 1. Ezekiel 33, verse 22. Ezekiel 37, 1. And Ezekiel 40, verse 1. It's all through the book. (laughs) Okay, come over to chapter 3 and verse 14. Chapter 3, 14. So the Spirit lifted me up and took me away, and I went in bitterness and in in the heat of my spirit. But the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. Verse 22, and the hand of the Lord was there upon me, and he said unto me, Arise and go forth in the plain. So that issue, and so on, and we're not going to look at all those, but you can look at it. The hand of the Lord is God intervening in a special direct involvement in order to adjust his dealings with the nation of Israel. Okay? So come over to Luke 16. So when you see this issue of John, the Baptist, he has the hand of the Lord on him. He is something very special, Luke 16, something that's going on here at the very beginning that's critical, that Mark doesn't skip. He starts with John. Why? Because that's the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophets. Everything the prophets say, now it's time to get started. And oh, by the way, In the book of Mark, hang on, because now we're going to go. And we're going to go quick, not quickly through it, but we're going to go 
and we'll pause in places along the way. Look at Luke 16, 16, another passage we've been over. But again, Jesus Christ is talking, and he says the law and the prophets were until John. Since that time. So before the time, back here, we have the law and the prophets. All that Israel had prior to Mark 1.1 was the law and the prophets. Now John the Baptist shows up, verse 16, since that time, the kingdom of God is preached and every man presseth in it. The timing element. Now the kingdom of God is the issue. The issue, is, the issue now is not just what the law and the prophets said, but now it's the timing of what they said is at hand. So now the preaching of the kingdom is the issue because it's time for that kingdom to come. It's at hand. It's time for the Messiah to show up and to bring in the promises and to save his people from their sins, to do Daniel 9.24, to get it started, to, to go to, to fulfill everything that the prophets, that was promised to the fathers back here. Now it's time because that's the goal, the kingdom. The gospel of Jesus Christ the Son of God, the good news of Jesus Christ. And Mark begins with that. And he starts with the fact that, hey, John the Baptist is the ticker. <laughs> He's the star. He's the guy ringing the bell. It's time to get going. And what happens is, is literally with John, is that he is a transitional figure here. And all this. And we are moving from old news to new news. We're moving from the law and the prophets to now the gospel of Jesus Christ, Son of God, to the preaching of the kingdom of God, and everybody's pressing into that. Now come back over with me to Matthew 11. Matthew 11. And, and we have to remember here that... John the Baptist is a transitional figure. He's, and this is Israel's history, and he's moving. We're transitioning across there. He's moving. The law and the prophets, what did Jesus say? I didn't come to destroy, I came to what? Fulfill. That starts with John the Baptist. I don't know how many times I've said that, but that's where we're at in Mark 1. Matthew 11. Uh, verse 7. Now, by the way, John, here the context, John the Baptist is in prison. He sends some disciples down there to the Lord to say, hey, look, if you're Messiah, why am I still in jail? <laughs> and so the Lord's going to deal with them here, verse 7. As they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, what went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? Now, this is a, these questions are very interesting. When you went out there in the wilderness to look at John, what were you thinking you were going to see? Some guy just kind of waffling back and forth. By the way, John was not so. John's in prison because he told Herod he was living in sin. 
John was a boom, here it is, black and white. There's no gray area. Here it is. Verse 8, but by the way, notice the sarcasm here of the Lord. But what, what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in the king's house. Did you guys go out there and looking for a sissy? That's what, you know. I'm sorry for it not being politically correct today, but that's what he said. Hey, the sissies are up there in the king's house. Now watch verse 9. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet, yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. Now, what did Luke 1, Zacharias' dad say? He's the prophet of who? The highest. The Lord says he's a prophet. Verse 10, for this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare the way before thee. This is who he was. He is the fulfillment of the prophecy. He's the one who was to come. He's the beginning of the fulfillment of it all. But now watch verse 11. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is what? Greater than he. Interesting verse about John. He's the last of the prophets. He's introducing the new. And the Lord says, the people who are going to come along here now and get in the kingdom, guess what? They're, they, they have a better position than John has. Why is that? Because he's a transitional figure. He's moving the nation from the law and the prophets into the Messiah, the days of the Messiah. And he's beginning to fulfill that issue. And Mark starts by saying the beginning of the gospel. By the way, keep reading verse 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. I got John is, but now watch verse 14. And if ye will receive it, this is Elias, or Elijah, which was for to come. If you would receive John the Baptist as the messenger and his message, then guess what? He would be Malachi 4.1, and we would be ready for that to come, the kingdom to come. John is introducing an opportunity to Israel to receive her Messiah, and, I, and he is identifying the Messiah for them. He's put, there he is. And you know what? If you'd receive him, Israel, then he would be Elijah. Guess who the Lord would have been? Moses, that prophet. And we would have been kingdom coming. That's Malachi 4. That's why John's 
talk, go back to Mark 1. That's why John is right here off the bat, because he marks the beginning. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So John the Baptist's ministry marks that new beginning in the national life of Israel. Now we're going to talk about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, because now it is at hand. And John is a fulfillment of prophecy. He's the one who the prophets are talking about. And he's going to introduce the Lord Jesus Christ as their Messiah. The time is here. Now, quickly, before we take off, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That word gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. The message that the prophets talked about in, in, the, in the prophets, now it's being preached and now it can be look at verse 15 believed they can, verse 15 the end of the verse repent ye and believe the what the gospel they can now do what malachi said needed to be done because now who's here the messiah the gospel of jesus christ is here now Come over to Luke chapter 4. That gospel, we're going to do this and then we'll, we'll be done, I guess. Look at Luke 4 and get Isaiah 61. When you want to define a word in Scripture, it's always better to go get another verse to help you define it. Now, we're going to do this, and I understand we understand that gospel means good news or glad tidings. But I want you to catch something here about the gospel. Look, look at Luke 4 and look at verse 17 and, ver and 18. Uh, verse 17. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. So this is going to be Isaiah 61, verse 1 and 2. Okay? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the broken, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Now, come to Isaiah 61, verse 1 and 2. For Zion's sake will I not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem... I'm sorry, that's 62. 61... Verse 1, <laughs> I, I was reading Isaiah 62, 1, sorry. Isaiah 61, verse 1, the Spirit of the, of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, and so forth, okay? Notice, good tidings to the meek. So the word gospel carries a definition of good tidings, all right, now, come over, you're in Isaiah. Look at Isaiah 52. Get Isaiah 52 and verse 7 and get Romans 10. Isaiah 52 and Romans 10. Now, in Romans 10, Paul is talking to Israel. Romans 10, verse number 15. We're just jumping in. We'll get 
Now, I'm trying to get the context, but I just want you to see this. How, and how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Now, we just read a minute ago that good news can mean what? Glad tidings, all right? But notice in 15 it says, and bring glad tidings. Now, go read Isaiah 52, which is where Paul's quoting from, verse 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that, public, that bringeth good tidings, that publish peace, and bring good tidings of good. and publish. Uh, so see how it's good tidings of peace and then good tidings of good? So the gospel can mean good news. It can mean glad tidings, and it can mean glad tidings of good. The word in Scripture, though, is gospel. Hold on to Isaiah, go back to Mark 1. It is not good news. It is not glad tidings. Mark 1 is gospel. Because you can have glad tidings that aren't the gospel. Okay? So when don't let people with the new books and all try to finagle you, oh, that just means good news or glad. I can have good news. Good news is, is that I won the Powerball. Congratulations. Thank you. That is not the truth, though. See? I just said it. Okay? Good news is that I woke up this morning. <laughs> you know? But I want you to notice something here. Look at Mark 1, verse 3. You still got Isaiah, I hope. Actually, get Isaiah 40. Let's get the quote. Isaiah 40 and then Mark 1. We need to use the term gospel, not glad tidings of good, not glad tidings of peace. Not, I mean, I know that they can be defined that way, but the verse calls it the gospel. Mark 1, verse 3. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Notice here what John the Baptist cries. Isaiah 40, verse 3. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. So there's the voice crying. Verse 6. The voice said, cry. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the good, goodliness thereof is as a flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Now watch verse 9. O Zion that bringeth good tidings... Get thee up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem that bringeth good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength, lift it up, be not afraid, say it unto the cities of Judah, behold your God. What is the good tidings? What is the gospel? Behold your God. Who is he? He's the Son of God. He's Messiah. Verse 11. 
He shall feed, I'm sorry, verse 10. Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand, and his arm shall rule for them, for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd, and so on. Notice, go, come back to Mark 1, that through the gospel of the kingdom that has been prophesied, the voice is going to cry, Behold your God. He's coming. The kingdom is coming. The good news, the glad tidings of all that the prophets had written to Israel and had been promised to the fathers is what? Is here. So Mark 1.1, the beginning. Doesn't say the ending. Doesn't say it's finished. It says it begins right here. And the marker isn't his birth. The marker is John the Baptist, okay? His birth is critical, don't get me wrong, but the marker in the chain, that's why Galatians 4, Paul says he was made, made, made under the law, made under a woman, made of a woman, made under the law. That's, that's the key, yeah, but the marker is John the Baptist. It's the beginning, okay? Now, we'll pick up in verse 4 and get on more with John and keep going because the hour is up, all right? It's critical. By the way, we have another gospel that shows up right in here. And Paul says, we have a gospel that I've received that was a mystery that takes that event and gives the full, the full revelation of it. And by the way, Romans 1 says that, that the prophets were talking about the event back here, and I'm giving you the meaning. So... The gospel is critical. The gospel of Jesus Christ, Son of God. It started. And Mark says, it starts right here with John the Baptist, and we're off and running. Now, in Matthew, you've got all the beginning stuff, all about his birth and the pedigree. Luke, you've got all the details of the human birth and the human side of it. By the way, John, there's no birth. He's just God. But Mark says... Yeah, you can have all that. Everything we're going to talk about starts right here. And what we're going to do now is we're going to look at the events from there all the way to Calvary, and that's where we're going to be. Okay? All right. So we're getting underway with Mark. Rip, roar, and boom, here we go. Okay? All right. Dear Holy Father, we thank you for the evening, Lord. We thank you for the look into your word and for all that you have for us in it and the instructions here as we begin to look at this action-packed book. We would just do so with a thrill of our hearts and a, a, a wonder at, your, at you being the servant for the nation of Israel and ultimately that picture of the servant that we need as we become, come into understanding the issue of service. In your name we pray. Amen.